Welcome back, friends, to our podcast, Well, Yes. And today uh, I am interviewing somebody I've known for quite a few years. Uh, her name is Shani Cook. Hi there. Hi. Uh, how long has it been since I've known you, darling girl? Uh, it, it's been at least since uh, 2010. Okay, so a couple, couple of years in there. So when I <laughs> met you, I think you might have even been a freshman freshman yeah, yeah at north high school and so um uh, we have stayed in contact because i've known you for years and i've watched you grow and i've actually we're facebook friends so i've seen i've watched your life unfold and uh shani has quite quite a story so you are going to be 27th on may 21st so happy birthday thank you um and this young woman who has uh lived quite a full life and now lives in Indianapolis. So mm-hmm. tell me how how did you go from the journey of North High School and then you transitioned to another school, but then how did you get to Indianapolis? So um, after I finally decided that college was going to be my way to get out of that toxic city of Akron, Ohio, <laughs> I ended up in Toledo and I went to University of Toledo. Um, I went there for two and a half semesters, two and a half years. And then unfortunately some stuff unfolded for my dear foster mom and I had to drop out and I started going to Bowling Green. And um, in between this transition is when me and my boyfriend, now husband, started dating. Um, And then I ended up being in Bowling Green for about two years, moved back to Toledo. And then I ended up in this beautiful city of life. And, And so tell us a little bit about the romance story of your husband, because I think that's a really sweet story, too. Yeah, so um, I've grown up in church my whole entire life. I I pride that on what has brought me to be who I am today. Um, But being in the Church of God in Christ, it's such a small but big community, especially in the Ohio First Jurisdiction. So um, Mother Vincent, who I pride myself on, she, she is my angel she actually told me like when you go to school you're going to go to this church you're going to make sure you go to church i have someone who's going to pick you up she's going to take you from your dorm to the church she'll take you back to your dorm but you need to make sure you go to someone's church and the first time i went to someone's church i ended up meeting him through his mom terry my mama cook and (laughs) She introduced us with the non-intention of us dating. And like the moment I saw Jeremy, I was like, "Mm, he's cute. And then I just got intrigued with like the conversation we were having because we had a very brief conversation after church the first time we met. And we talked about how he was going, he was mind, his mindset was business. And like, I was like, oh, he sounds very much like me. Like, I was like, this is like a male version of me in a way. So for a couple of weeks, I just kept coming to the church, kept coming to the sort church. Of stalk, you were sort of stalking him a little bit. Okay. <laughs> okay. <laughs> we can, I, I was intrigued. I was okay. intrigued yes. by him. In, in, hopes of, in hopes of another glimpse. 
Yes, I was like, the conversation was so small, but I felt like there was so much more conversation to have. But you know, when somebody is driving you to church, you got to go. So I was like, dang, hopefully I come next week and I can like get his number. He was up in BG partying. He never came back. And then like a couple of weeks later, like no, months later, he finally came back. I glimpsed on his phone and I saw what his name was on Facebook. I found him on Twitter and then... <laughs> <laughs> the rest is history. Yes, and I want I want our listeners to know and you said this before we hopped on that when you when you are wanting something or something is important to you, you're, mm -hmm. you're kind of like a pit bull. You're you're going to be, you know, whether it's business or a friendship or in this case Jeremy, you know, <laughs> I'm going to give it my best college shot at, you know. Yeah, yeah. like that it like I'm one of those people if I set my mind to it, it may take me years to accomplish it. I'm going to try my hardest. There is no bounds to my success. And in my, in that moment, he was my goal. And I, I achieved that goal. Yeah. <laughs> and you have, and you have three beautiful little boys. Yes. I have Jameson. He is five. He is my very sarcastic, funny child. I have Cameron. He is nonverbal to an extent, but he can definitely tell you no. I don't want it. Let me go. Nope. And he's three. And then I have Roman, my Leo, who is very much so a Leo. <laughs> he's eight and a half months. And so, like we said, three little boys, that's, you're going to have your hands full with all the things. Growing up. I'm, and, and, you know, I, I got four boys. Okay. Yeah. And your, and your hubby. But, you know, somebody listening to this might say, wow, you know, she's got it together and she's got, you've got your own business. Um, you want to mm -hmm. touch on that before I jump into the, the other stuff. What is your business? Yeah. I am the virtual boss. I um, started, um, me and Jeremy were going through a really, really, really tough time financially when I had initially had Jameson. And I was trying to figure out a way because Jameson was born with hypospadias genitalia. So he had to have multiple surgeries in order to, so hypospadias is basically when you are not fully formed in the urethra. And they, so his penis, we thought he was a girl for so long. They had to do so many cosmetic surgeries when he was six months and then when he was um, a year old. So I wanted to find a way to make income from home. Mm -hmm. And so that's how I started my business. And I started off very, very small. And then I took my shot. And now I'm six, almost six years in and I am. I, I do virtual assisting, website design, graphic design, prop, project management. And I just started a new form of business where I'm furnishing Airbnbs. Wow. My gosh, honey. It's so, it's so amazing to hear all that. So again, I'm going to go back to, if someone was starting to hear this interview, they'd say, wow, this girl got it together. She <laughs> got a husband and three kids and, and a, her own business, but we're going to back, go backwards a little bit and say, you know, you are an extreme overcomer. Yes. Um, and I, I don't know where you want to start, but you know, life has not been easy for you ever. Yeah. It's, it's been a rough, rough journey. I was placed in foster care at three years old. Um, when my mother's boyfriend decided that he wanted to have a little victim and he didn't know who that victim would turn out to be one day. Um, but I was sexually abused. I was beaten. I was placed into the system and then I was replaced into the system. I don't think I ever told you, like I was in foster care for three years and then no, for about two years. And then they had found out that my mother had a, um, she had a foster mom herself. 
And so she wanted to take me because I was rightfully her grandchild. So they sent me here in Indianapolis and I was here for maybe like six to eight months, but she didn't have a bed for me. She didn't give me food. She was beating me. They would come in and do check-in visits. They were stealing my stuff. And um, I was placed back to Miss Bell when about eight months later. You know, I so, don't think I knew that. Yeah. So, you know, rightfully so, because I was technically her grandchild, the system said, okay, it's technically your right to have her. But to me, I was, to her, I was a money tree. Right. She was going to get money for me, for me being with her. So once I got with her in her care, Miss Bell realized like she's not receiving the things I'm sending her. She's not getting the money I'm sending. So she started to inquire with the courts and the courts start doing check-ins. And they were like, well, if you don't get her a bed, we're going to have to take her back. So she got me a bed. And then they were like, well, if she's not gaining weight, we're going to have to take her back. And then eventually they were just like, you know what? You're not doing good. So they brought me back to Akron. And how old were you? How old were you when you came back? I think I was about six. It was right before I was supposed to start, no, maybe five. It was right before I was supposed to start kindergarten. They literally took me from daycare. They took me to this McDonald's to play with her. And then I looked out the back of the window of the play yard and Miss Bell was leaving in a car. Oh my And I was like on the window, I was like, let me go, let me go. And Miss Bell said that was like literally the most heartbreaking thing she had to do, but that's what CPS started to do. Yeah. Wow. So, so your taste of CPS has not been, you would not be giving the glowing reports. Oh no, I was not that child that was placed into like this beautiful, rich family that put her into the best education. That was not like, to me, I feel like the system fails a lot of kids who look like me. Yeah. Unfortunately. No, I, I have to say, I agree over the years of all the work I've done. So, you know, it's interesting, you know, Miss Bell, you, you stayed with her then for the rest of your growing up. Yeah. Me, you know, um, she was my, my, my mother up until I was 18 years old. She's the reason why I went to college. I told myself, like, if there's any way I can get out of this system, is only if I go off to college because then it forces me to not only leave the city or the state, it allows me that freedom and independence that you know how strict she was mm -hmm. to for me to finally feel like an adult. So mm -hmm. I knew like if I stayed in Akron, like, I was not going to blossom into anything but taking care of my mom. Right. And I think that and I think that that strictness really limited you you know, in her heart, it was like, I'm going to keep you safe or I'm going to make sure you're doing all the right things. But you didn't know how to make decisions. You didn't know how to. And it really like it really messed me up as an adult, because when you're so used to having that that umbrella over you to keep you from the sun, like when you finally see the sun, it's like, oh, my God. So yeah, like, supposed so, to do? <laughs> yeah. So going to college and having to like feed myself or like even like figure out like because I had bills that had to be paid through college because I didn't my first year of college I had to pay out of pocket to stay in college I ended up joining the army national guard to help me pay for my college I didn't end up going forward with it but it that was like I was literally gritting and figuring out like what is plan b because like Going back to Akron was not planning. Well, and that goes back to that tenaciousness, but, you know, nothing's going to stop you. You're going to find a yeah. way to move through it. And again, yeah. you know, this sounds like, oh, okay, well, you got yourself out of this horrific 
upbringing of, you know, foster placement and, and abuse. And then, and then as you got older, you know, there, things didn't quit coming. Right. I mean, yeah. talk me through that, that time span in front, starting in 2020, when you had the fire, like, yeah, like now. for me, I call myself a Phoenix. Cause you know, Phoenix, they always go through like that fire rise up. They, like, they rise up. I feel like mine is a continuing Phoenix story because like 2020, I was like, life is great. I just had my beautiful baby boy, Cameron. Jameson had all his surgeries. They were successful. And then we had a fire. And like at that moment when I seen like my apartment going up in flames, I was like, what the heck is this? Like, where does it stop? You know, because like I feel like and I think it's really important for people to understand like you never understand a person's true story, what they've been through, what they're going through. Like I was smiling on the outside for a very long time. And it's like, eventually that catches up to you. And I think that fire for me was like the ignition of like, this is some BS, like what is happening? Right. And then after the fire, we ended up moving back into the same complex. We were, we were able to help him decorate it how he wanted it. So that was beautiful. And then a couple of, like, no more than a year later, March of 2021, I, I found out I was pregnant. And that same day, I got in a car accident. And then that same week, I start, I went to my doctor's appointments and they were like, we don't see a heartbeat. And I'm like, well, why don't you see a heartbeat? Like, maybe they were like, maybe it's, we just didn't calculate correctly. And I was like, okay. And they were like, okay, come back in a week. And I was like, okay. And then so a week later, they were like, we don't see a heartbeat. This is not a viable pregnancy. We're going to place you in order. It's going to be for some pills. You're going to put them, you know, up mm -hmm. and then it'll release. And I was like, okay. So I did that. I called Jeremy's mom. She prayed for me because I was just like, Jeremy was like, she's not doing okay. She needs somebody to pray for. Her. She prayed for me. I started having the bleeding and everything. And I thought, okay, this is, this journey is done. The day before my birthday, I start bleeding heavy. And I literally, I, I told Jeremy, I was like, something's not right. Like something is not right. So I drive myself to the hospital because it's probably like five minutes up the road. And when I get there, I almost pass out. So they rush me to a room and they're like, we're, cause I just keep bleeding. I'm just gushing blood. Like, I think I lost, they said like five gallons of blood almost or whatever. And so I'm losing all of this blood and they go in the ultrasound and they're like, you never passed all of your tissue from the baby. So you're bleeding. What you're bleeding is your body trying to push it out. But so much has built up over the last month. Oh, it's just, they had to do a DNC. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm like, oh. and this is the day before my birthday. So I'm like, again, what, <laughs> what is happening? So then I get past that. And then a couple of months later on August 18th, I wake up um, from me and Jeremy are watching a movie and I see like this, we have a den and I'm looking in the den and I said, Jeremy, it looks like a person is in the den. Do you like see, it looks like a shadow is in the den. And he's like, I don't see a shadow. Like he was like, girl, you tripping, you sleep, you go to sleep. My uncle calls me and he says, Shani, your mom, they found her outside. She, she, she had an overdose and she died. Like I literally, this, like, is, my your, this is your biological mom. Yeah. My biological mom. Who I've gone through hell and high water with, who I was just thought was this invincible woman 
who was just never like, if I thought she was going to die of anything, it was alcohol. Mm-hmm. And he said, he said, Shani, they found Keisha. She was outside and she, she passed away with an overdose. And I was like, what? And I just took the Jeremy just looked at me and I just started screaming to the top of my lungs. My kids were asleep. I didn't care if they woke up. I didn't care if the neighbor woke up. It was just like all of that pain of like thinking we're going to be able to work this out. Like me and her are going to build this beautiful relationship because we had been texting more. We had been calling more. And I was like, what the like? Yeah. And I just, for like hours, I just sat there and cried. I think I stayed, they told me she passed away at 1248 AM. I don't think I went to sleep until 750. And then I woke up at 10 o'clock because I had to start business. So and that's another thing I want our listeners to hear. You know, we talked about this too. And our the people that listen to this podcast know that when I'm stressed, I work and keep busy, busy, busy. Mm-hmm. That's a flaw because I don't have <laughs> myself stop. And and yeah. you said that that was the same thing. You just, you, you saw, you you worked with your clients. You had to, you had to be a mom. You had your children to take care of. Yeah. You sort of compartmentalize. And even, you know, the stages of grief and all the things that you were going through. And I'm sure there were mixed feelings about your mom, you know? Yeah. So I, I, I was one of those people. I would like, I would make fun of my mom, not in like, you know, it's my mom. So I can make fun of my mom, but like, I'd be like, what is she wearing? Like in all these different things. Like I think in that moment, it was like, you treated to me. I was like, you treated her so bad when she was not like, it's not her fault that all of this, like her mom prostituted her mm-hmm. as a child to pay the rent. Mm-hmm. Like all, when you go through that many years of trauma, yeah. you know, yeah. you either are going to be a, a phoenix or you're going to. And I was just going to say that you broke the intergenerational cycle of trauma. You know, you had yeah. your own trauma, but you are overcoming. You've overcome. You're still overcoming because it's a, always a journey. But yes. you have your three children that you're a she-bear um, protector. Yeah. And that, that cycle is being broken from yeah. generation to your mom's because what happened to your mom and what happened to you, you don't want to have happened to your own kids. Yeah. And I think I always made that like a huge important thing as to why I didn't want to have children. Cause I was like, I don't think that when, cause my father was in foster care, his mom molested him. My mom was molested. I was molested. I was like, I don't think that, like, not that I would touch my children, but you can't trust people. Right. You know, right. and, and yeah, and that's an important thought too. If you can't trust the very most important people in your life, like your mom or your dad, how yeah. can you trust yourself, you know, yeah. or anyone else? Yeah. And me and Jeremy had like, when we first started dating and I like, I told him, I was like, I'm gonna sit you down and I'm just going to tell you everything I've been through. You decide if you want, cause you know, some people look at me as damaged sometimes. So I'm like, you can either be with this damaged woman or you can like, you can go, like, I'm not going to blame you. He chose to stay. And you know, he didn't see you as damaged. He saw you as the love of his life. And, and also when you say that it's also how you feel could have felt about yourself. I'm damaged, but no, you're not damaged. You had things done to you beyond your, your control. And, Mm -hmm. you know, even in early teenage years, maybe because that's what you knew some of that, those poor choices going through life, doing the things that was familiar until you, you were always very smart, always very insightful, (laughs) always very motivated. You had the inner strength 
to do what you needed to do. And you also said you had faith and you could have turned away from religion as well. Your faith, mm -hmm. because you, that, not, down yeah. your path, you know, in a very, very punitive way. And so instead of going down that path, you've embraced love. Yeah. I've never for a second denied that God had a plan and that there was going to be a positive on the other side, but I've always had so many things happen where it's like you start to, you're questioning like if, if there is a God and I, I had to have this moment with myself, like if there is a God, there has to be some light at the end of this tunnel. Mm -hmm. And some people don't see that light, unfortunately, like my mom, like mm -hmm. she's seen that life was worthless mm -hmm. at some point mm -hmm. And she just felt like there was no push. But like for me, I love myself too much. Like I've had to come to that love. But you know what else you said you have is you have a support network like no other. I mean, yes. And, and if you and your mom didn't, you know, have yes. that support network, you couldn't be your mom's support as a little girl, you know, mm -hmm. or other children. You know, you guys were yeah. little, but adult loving relationships lifting you up, and you've gotten that. And I'm so. I mean, it makes me almost. Don't start, Michelle. I'm so happy to see you at this place. Um, yeah. because you've, you've seen me at like crying in, in like the office and like just being at the point of like, am I even going to graduate high school? <laughs> like what is happening? Like at some point and people have to, like, if you have a child that is struggling in school, like maybe take a moment, take a break to say like, what mentally is happening with them is there something that I need to do as a parent to intervene because I didn't have like you know I didn't have that parent that was like checking in on my mental well-being checking in on my health checking in to make sure like I was all right like I've been raising myself for a very long time even before I left for school well I, mean, I had to pick myself up exactly and there's even the cultural piece of not buying into you know mental health stigma that goes along mm -hmm. with, you know, some of those things and trying to. I'll say it. The black community, unfortunately, feels as if if you go for therapy, something we don't like to admit, unfortunately, that there's a problem because we are, in our opinion, we are a race that is already looked down as weak or minor, that it's very hard for us to go for help. I, so like, I, I love that insight. I love that insight to say, you know, maybe the reason that there are a lot of them, a lot of black people that don't go get help is because we're already seen as helpless or that one down. And so we don't want to give ammunition. Yeah. I, I mean, it's so like, insightful. unfortunately, it, it, it's a thing for us where it's like we always, especially black women, black women always are carrying the, the back and the harbor of everything, like because we have to pull up these black men who have gone through so much who are afraid to go get help because they don't want to be seen as weak. So it's like, and I, me and Jeremy in our household, like we try as much as possible to talk to each other in a raw way. Where it's like, if I see he's stressed, I'm like, like, what's, what's going on? Like we may like shrug it off as like, what's going on, bro. But we'll always check in. Like, he'll be like, you good. And I'm like, you know what? Today I'm not, mm -hmm. you know? And to be able to have a safe space. Right. To and feel it's not like a weakness. It's not a weakness to say I'm not okay today. It's when people figure that out, the world will be a better place. My gosh, I feel like I mean, I just can't believe that you're grown up and I'm talking to you on this grown up level. And it's it it's it's 
you know what? It, it really honestly means the world to me because, um, you know, I'm an older person and I've been through a lot and seen a lot of people I've worked with over the years and gone, you know, known from all different avenues at the school and to see, um, one of the students that I knew to grow up and be a successful, productive, highly motivated, highly intelligent, beautiful mother, beautiful wife, businesswoman. You know what? If you can get over these hard, difficult things, everyone can work on and get over the things that are going on. But you're right. We all carry around our burdens. We do. Yeah. Jesus had to carry the cross, but he made it, you know? Yeah. So it's like if if life is too precious and I think seeing like, like the huge epidemic with drugs and how quickly a life can be taken from it. Just like even seeing my mom, like it's like life is too short and it's way too precious to allow the things and the obstacles I've been through to make me want to stop. Cause at the end of the day, I'm raising three black boys. Mm -hmm. And at the end of the day, it's very hard to see a two parent household in, in, in this generation overall, but especially in my race. So it's like, if there's anything that pushes me towards that next level, it's like them. Right. They, well, they, and then changing their perspective of the world so that they can have a different view because of your yeah. it's The world is limitless. Yeah. It's, it's, it's an oyster. Well, I almost feel like well, we might need to come back and revisit and have a part two. You have a lot of really wonderful things to share, really hard things to share, but um, I can't wait to put your pictures out so people can see how beautiful you are on the inside and the out. Um, and just knowing that you can you can get through. And I, I love, I'm going to probably title this, what look for what's on the other side or something about looking on the other side. Because you said, even in the most dark days, Tomorrow, we don't know what it, our, our tomorrow promises. And you also made reference to the fact that, you know, you and your mom, you thought certain things of her, but after she passed away, it also helped you realize that every moment with people in our lives are important and to value yeah. those that to try yeah. to be in the moment, like we always yeah. say. Like I, I see a lot of people who unfortunately they don't value the parent that they have on this side of the world. And it's like, when that parent is gone and like I have to go back to Facebook videos to listen to her sing like this is no ordinary life and it's like it's like you don't want that to be oh, I'm getting emotional but you don't want that to be the only way you can hear their voice right. so if you have a parent cherish that parent regardless of the flaws regardless of the relationship at the end of the day when they're gone they're gone yeah and that's for any relationship. Yes, that is so true. Value the time you have. Yeah. All right. Well, my friend, you are beautiful. It's Thank so you. great to see you, you know, after all these years and catch up. And um, and this is always that intimacy. After we talk like this, it, it builds that relationship, refreshes it. And um, I'll be reaching out a lot more often. So absolutely. I'll be in Akron soon. If you come to Akron, you let me know and we will visit. I will. Have yes, ma'am. I love right. you, Michelle. I love you too. And thank you so much for sharing your story. Thank you for being there with me through it all. Well, I hope our listeners say, well, yes, to mental health with this one. Thank you. Yes. You're welcome. Bye-bye. Bye. -bye. Bye.